0: Uh, Our reading comes from uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 22 to 30. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Copenium. I tell you the truth, he continued. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. That's the word of God.
1: So as I said uh, earlier, our text for this year is uh, from Luke chapter 4 verse 19, uh, which is Proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. It's a text we felt that the Spirit was leading us to after last year when we looked at Come Follow Me, that basic call of Jesus, and uh, we looked at what that looks like to grow and, uh, and follow Jesus, to be obedient to Him. So. We're here to declare that this year is the year of the Lord's favour, to declare it in the lives of the people that we know, both within our building, but also beyond it as well. And so, I just want to carry on uh, the, where we started last week in this Luke chapter four, where Jesus read these incredible words from the prophet Isaiah when he declared them in uh, in that synagogue on that particular day, and it was like the launch pad for his mission, his launch pad for his ministry. He sort of set out his manifesto for what was to come next. This. Call This commission from the Father to go and and declare the truth of who He is, and this Isaiah prophecy that Jesus declared, He was saying, you know what? Today this has happened in your sight. In other words, I'm the one that this prophecy is fulfilled in. The year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor has come in me. Jesus says. And from that moment, of course, as we heard in the reading, it began to cause a ripple of, uh, of concern as well among the people who heard it on this day. And this year of Jubilee was the, uh, the seven times seven years of so 49 years. Every 49 years, Isaiah says, we're going to declare this Jubilee. We're going to say this is the day when everyone is restored back to the original plan you know it's like the, the reset button you know when everything goes back to what it used to be before you started fiddling with it or the restore point in the computer where you know you try to do something that you didn't have a clue what you were doing and it all went wrong so you go back to the point before you started making a mess of it and and this is the year of jubilee was we're going to go back to how it was originally we're going to go back to where this all started God's original plan God's original vision for his people for his creation to be restored back again where those who had grabbed hold of life for themselves said, no, 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 I'm going to give it back to God. I'm going to give my life back to God now. I've been in control for too long. I've made a mess of this life. I'm going to restore this back to God. That's Jubilee, going back to the beginning. All debts cancelled, things forgiven, relationships restored, everything back. This was the year of Jubilee. This was the year of the Lord's favour that Jesus announced through the words of the prophet Isaiah. So, how do you feel it's going? As you look around the world, everything's right with it, isn't it? Everything's back as it should be. Do you think that? Is, is that your impression? Or have we still got a bit of work to do? What is wrong with it? What's wrong with the world? I mean, the, we've been through issues with racism that continue to blight our communities. Economic inequalities that are are rife, not only we see it in uh, some way in our own nation, but when we look around the world, the economic equality around the world, some would say that the reason why everything's wrong with the world is the decline of the sort of Judeo-Christian morality. Others would say the problem with the world is Judeo-Christian morality and we've got to get away from that. But most people would agree that something is wrong. In fact, we'd probably say that there's a lot wrong. This general feeling of unease that we sort of carry along with us uh, in our lives, so when we look around our workplaces or our homes or our families or, or uh, around the, the global world as well. Symptoms of dis ease. The Bible calls dis ease, of course, sin, doesn't it? That's the dis ease, that's the feeling that something is not quite right. And we know that in our own hearts. We know when something isn't quite right in our own lives, but when we magnify that around our world, then it's easy to see. But the world is an amazing place, isn't it? We have so many successes in the world. Every news item that you hear that that is something bad, there's always something that's going on. you think, my goodness, isn't that incredible what's happening? some new advance in technology, some new advance in healthcare, some new treatment that suddenly think, wow, that's incredible. There are so many successes in the world, and yet there is an increasing anxiety, increasing depression, increasing number of family breakdowns, increasing suicide rates, going alongside all that's going on. And we, we sit in the middle of this tension where we're not sure what is happening and it has to cause us to ask so what is wrong and then the second question has to come so what can i do about it and this is something i think of what jesus was declaring on that day this is the good news of jubilee that i'm entrusting to you again my people i'm entrusting this vision to you again that yes we can proclaim the year of the lord's favor Because we've got something deeper going on that says, do you know what, no matter that there are things that are wrong, there is still hope. Jesus declared it. Jesus lived it and died for it and rose again so that we could know that there is hope. I think sometimes we have three different responses to to what's going on around the world. I think some of us are confused by it. And we get so confused by it, but it then leads us to paralysis. When we start to think, I can't do anything to change it. Some of us, we maybe are conditioned by it. It's always been like this, hasn't it? You know, so it leads us to passivity. You know, I've, I've tried to do something, but I, nothing's changed. So I just want to survive it myself. I'll close inward on myself and I'll just, just sit and, and go through uh, my own life. But there are some people that are compelled by the situation that they see. And it leads them to proclaim, I can do something about it. In fact, I should do something about it. In fact, I'm called to do something about it. That what is wrong gives me, gives us an opportunity to do something right where I am, to begin to see this jubilee become a reality. To begin to see the Lord's favour in my life in the life of others. This is Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor that God has called his people to be part of the resolution to restoration. And of course, we've seen throughout generations, haven't we, people inspired by this vision to actually get on and do something. People who haven't sort of felt paralyzed by it or, or felt that they can't do anything about it. People have stood up and done something. People who, right now, today, in some of the countries around our world, despite the fact that Christianity is banned and they know the consequences of them worshipping today, they are still doing it. Because they believe the words of Jesus make a difference to their lives. And they get on and do it without that overriding fear. They overcome that and they proclaim, "It no, it's the Lord's favour today. I am going to do this. Or, or we look back in history to people like William Wilberforce, who, compelled by the situation he saw to do with slavery, gave every ounce of his energy and it, indeed his final breath to see a resolution to this. And then we see a neighbour giving an act of kindness to their neighbour saying, do you know what? Things don't have to stay as they are. I can do something about this. I can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I can begin to see and bring this into being because God has compelled me to proclaim it, to act upon it. And this is a vision of human flourishing. This is a vision where joy is at the heart of all that is going on as people get connected to the source of all joy himself. And I think it's that call that Jesus is making on that particular day that we can be part of as well. You've got to feel sorry for God sometimes, haven't you? Do you ever feel sorry for God? He must look down and wonder what on earth is going on, mustn't he? For centuries, millennia, he's been trying to bring about this jubilee, this Lord's favor year. And it started so well, didn't it, in that garden in Eden. I mean, everything was perfect. He created everything perfectly. It looked like Jubilee. It looked like everything was going to be fine. And he created two people who he said, that Genesis records who were very good. He thought they were very good people. And then we read further on, he called a person, he called Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave the country you're in. I want you to go and build a nation for me. And I'm going to go with you and we're going to build a nation that is going to reflect my love. It's going to reflect this jubilee to people. It's going to be the the generation, the nation, the people that actually brings about this. And then he compelled Isaiah to start speaking about it. And while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, uh, Isaiah is declaring, no, 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 this isn't the end of the story. There is something more to come. There is something that... God is wanting to bring into his people. This is jubilee. That This is the glimpse that we, I think, have to hold on to if this is to be the year where we proclaim the Lord's favor upon the people we know and the communities we live in and the workplaces that we work in every single day. And I was thinking last week when we celebrated communion, you know, communion, communion is like the the ultimate place of restoration isn't it it's the ultimate point where we come back and we start again where we confess to God and say God you know I have messed up but I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you I'm gonna repent I'm gonna return to you I'm gonna believe that life can be different again and we come back to that place time and time again as he invites us to continue to trust him for it And in the life of Jesus, of course, in the reading that Martha read to us, we see this, this struggle to believe that this could be the year of the Lord's favour. So here's Jesus. He, he proclaims this prophecy and he provokes a response as a result of that. It's like he challenges the complacency of the listeners in that synagogue on that particular day who maybe like us had given up that this could ever happen. And, and in, in chapter 4 and verse 22, we read that as soon as he sat down and said the scriptures were fulfilled, all spelt, w- spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They spoke well of him. But Jesus, of course, would have known that this was just a fleeting moment because he says to his disciples, read it in Luke chapter six twenty-six. woe to you when everyone speaks well of you because his words weren't there for comfort they were there for challenge he was there in that moment to challenge the listeners about what God had in store for the future they spoke well of him because I don't think they'd fully grasped what those words meant the implication of the jubilee picture meant for them as well nice words suddenly become real in their presence And these words then become disruptive to everyone. Because the fulfillment of this prophecy is going to shake things up a bit. Because prisoners are going to be set free, literally and metaphorically. The poor are going to be included in the family. The blind are going to start seeing. The oppressed are no longer going to be oppressed. The marginalized and the sidelined and the forgotten, they're now all going to have a seat at the top table. They are equals. In the sight of God. And imagine the synagogue worshippers saying, Oh my goodness, this is going to shake things up a bit, isn't it? This is going to make life a lot different from how it is at the moment. And just to reinforce the point, as Martha read to us earlier, Jesus recalls Elijah being sent to an outsider, the widow in Zarephath. He recalls Elisha, healing the sight of Naaman and the Syrian. Outsiders to the Jewish community, people of reproach to the people of Israel, but part of the story of what God was going to do to take the most unlikely people and say they are included in this Jubilee picture as well. And suddenly it dawns on the listeners oh, my goodness. And those who spoke well of him became, what does the text say? Furious. The same people who spoke well of him who thought the words were really nice and the vision was really compelling but don't you dare bring it to fulfillment. We don't want to see the oppressed set free. We don't want to see the blind seeing. We don't want to see the prisoners released. And in their fury... They grab hold of Jesus and they march him out to the edge of the city about to throw him off the cliff. That was the ritual execution of a false prophet. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 18. That's exactly what was commanded of a false prophet to throw them off the cliff. It's a shame that the people didn't read a little bit further in Deuteronomy 18. Where God says that a true prophet was one who proclaims God's word and then makes it happen. In Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, God had said that there would be a prophet just like me from among you, and you must listen to him. And in Deuteronomy eighteen nineteen, He said, "I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name." How selective! We can be with our hearing. Where the vision is all-embracing and all-encompassing. And I love the fact, just very calmly, he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. See, nothing can stop this vision no matter that it provokes us, no matter that it challenges us, no matter that it probably makes us uncomfortable, no matter that it maybe shatters some of our our boundaries that we may have put in our own life. We too can be synagogue listeners, can't we? Who speak well of him, but then realize actually this is life-shaking words. This prophecy provokes us, and it should provoke us, To say, how can we be part of bringing this into being, to fulfill it, be part of God's plan? Because that's what Jesus did next. If you read on in in chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus not only gave this prophetic word, he also put it into practice immediately he put it into practice he gives us a glimpse as to what this year could look like he gives us a glimpse as to what the year of the Lord's favour could look like in reality and straight away He gets out there. If you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 4, verse 31 uh, to to 41. He he, he begins to bring peace to the demon-possessed. That's the first thing he does after he'd walked off that cliff and gone to work to bring the Lord's favour into reality. He brings peace to the demon-possessed. He then goes and brings healing to, his mo- to Simon's mother-in-law. And I have made myself a, jo- a note here, no jokes about mothers-in-law today, please. Okay, so I've done that today. Then we read in verse 40, at sunset, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of diseases and he healed them. Do you see how this picture of jubilee, the Lord's favor, is beginning to be put into practice? These are no longer just words spoken many centuries ago, re-spoken by Jesus on that day. This is reality now. And this is what we're invited to be part of, to bring the Lord's favor, to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor in reality. And what's the response from the people who aren't in the synagogue that day? What's the response of the people on the streets who see Jesus do these healings, who realize that there's something happening here? Well, verse 32 of chapter 4, it says, They are amazed at his words. In verse 32, it says, His words had authority. In verse 36, they are amazed that his words have authority and power. Do you see what's beginning to happen? What's beginning to ripple out of that synagogue moment? is the reality for people who feel that they're far away from God and not included in his story, suddenly realize, no, 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 there's a place for us in this Jubilee party. You're invited in right to the heart of it to share in all that's going on. How easy it is for religion to become so exclusive and full of boundaries that exclude Whereas Jesus walks through the crowd that day, he goes a different way from everybody else and says, no, 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 I'm going to blow the doors off. Was that Michael Caine? I think it was. I left out one word in that as well, by the way. It's a Sunday. I'm going to break the boundaries of this. And he did it straight away. So that the oppressed were set free. So that the marginalized were brought to the heart. Of this Jubilee. This is the beauty of Jesus, isn't it? This is the beauty of his call for us to follow him. And I wonder whether we could be part of bringing the kingdom in one life at a time. It is overwhelming, but what if we did for one person what we'd love to do for everyone? What if we just did it for one person? Imagine the ripples, bringing God's word under his authority, with his power into the lives of the people that we bump into and meet. See, I think this prophecy is still valid today. I think we're still invited to do what Jesus invites us to do and what he did. In fact, isn't it incredible that Jesus said that we would do more than he did? In John chapter 14 and verse 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now there's a promise for those who feel weak, for those who feel that they can't do anything we're invited to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor by bringing the same light into the lives of the people we see. And there is a danger for all of us, of course, because life just gets routine, doesn't it, for all of us. Can I just tell you one thing I, I don't like? Can I tell you? One, just one thing. Do you know it was foggy this week? Did you know it was foggy this week? I get so annoyed by car drivers who don't have their lights on when it's foggy. If you want to confess you were one of them, then please let me know. And I was thinking, I wonder why that is. Why, why don't people put their lights on when it's foggy? And you know what, I've come to the conclusion that most people drive with their car lights on auto, do you know? So their lights come on when it's dark. But that means they don't come on when they're foggy. I know this is so petty, isn't it, in the great scheme of things. Then it got me thinking, you know what, how often do we have our lives on auto? You know, we're just drifting through, really, instead of intentionally Deciding to put our lights on, to shine the light in our lives. That wasn't a great analogy, was it? But I've got it off my chest now anyway. Uh, the next time it's foggy, will you put your lights on, please? And uh, things will be much better, won't they? But I think sometimes we've got to sort of move out of that place of auto. Me as well. Of That this is another day and this is just how it's going to go. No, no, no. Let's look out for what God wants to do. Let's be on our, our, our give our best attention And put into practice what he wants to do. What for one person? For the person sat next to you, for the person you bump into. Let's do for one what we'd love to do for everyone. And then we're going to say, Well, how do I do that? How do I do that? And how do I keep doing that? Well, the answer is again in the life of Jesus. He is the answer, isn't he, to everything? To every question chapter 4 verse 42 Jesus stood up in the temple he's declared the prophecy he's been taken to the edge of the cliff and he's walked through the crowd he's gone onto the streets he's done the healing he's even healed Simon's mother-in-law no jokes about mother-in-law no jokes about mothers-in-law he's done all that but what does he need above everything? what's the clue for us? verse 42 at daybreak Jesus went out to a solitary place he went out to a solitary place he went out to that place to pray he went out to that place to commune with the father he went out to that place to to make sure that what he was doing was the call of God the father on his life that his mission was clear that his his eyes were were set fast on what the call was and it's this prayer that powers the promise that God has given to us. That's the place to start. It's the place to keep coming back to when you feel overwhelmed by what is going on. It's the place to come back to when you look around the world and say, this is nothing like the jubilee that that Jesus declared. How can this be the year of the Lord's favour? Well, it can be because we start in that place, that quieter place. See, the Lord's favor isn't going to come in by us trying harder. It's going to come in as we train ourselves to to be in line with the Father's will and his his promise for us. Developing those great habits that connect us again and again and again back to what it is he's called us to. You know, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, in the Old Testament, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We're not going to do this. We're not going to bring the Lord's favor in just by how good we are, how strong we feel. We're not going to bring it in by willpower. We're going to bring it in by the power of the Spirit, and we find that through prayer. You re-energize. You get empowered through that quiet place of prayer. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. It is. Do you want to do something about it? Oh, one or two of you. Fantastic. That's a start. That's how a movement starts. Well, the only way to power the promise is to start in prayer. Because that's what Jesus did. Verses 43 and 44 of chapter 4. Jesus says, he comes out of that solitary place. And he says this, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on. (laughs) And he kept on. Let's keep on hearing God's word, his prophetic word that is still valid today for us. Let's practice it with confidence as we, one life at a time, begin to see God's favour come. But let's start with prayer as we plug into the source of power and become refreshed and renewed. If Jesus did it, I'm guessing we should as well. And let's see what this year looks like. What's God saying to you? What's God's prophetic word to you today? What is he speaking into your life? What's he saying about how he wants you involved in bringing his favour in? What's his perspective on what is happening around your world today? What's he saying? Listen. What's God asking of you? Who is God asking you to go and get alongside? Who is he asking you to put into practice what he's saying to you? And will you pray? Pray. Will you pray? Will you decide perhaps just to, to pray a bit more, to spend a bit more time just in that solitary place where you can listen to what he has to say? Maybe with two or three other people. Maybe you start praying with somebody else. You ask somebody else, could we just meet? Maybe every week or every month, every fortnight. You could meet in person. You could meet online. Would you help me? Could we pray together? Could we do that? And encourage each other as we seek to make a difference in our world. I pray that you'll hear God's word to you today. He has sent you. He has sent you to proclaim good news. The good news of the kingdom. And announce that this is indeed the year of the Lord's favour. Let's pray together, shall we? And let's reflect on God's word to our hearts today we're going to sing our final song in a few moments but let's just come before him to hear his whisper to understand his word to feel his power to have our eyes open to what it is he's called us to and the confidence and certainty that he has chosen us chosen me chosen you to be his people, to speak his word into our world today. What does the Lord require of you? Perhaps just very simply like Samuel today, you just say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Open my eyes to see what you see, perhaps for someone today, and just trying to sense what God might be saying i 'm just thinking about that moment when Jesus is dragged out of the temple. And he's taken to the edge of a cliff about to be thrown over. And I just wonder whether there is someone here today who is feeling like that today. Who's feeling that you're standing on the edge of the cliff really. And there's something happening in your life that is so devastating, so difficult. That it just, you're not sure how God could use you. Well, Jesus turned around and walked through the crowd. He took another direction. And I want to say to you today, if you're in that place today, I want to say to you, God wants you to turn around and go in a different direction today. He's got plans for you and purpose for you. He wants to use you for his kingdom, for his glory. There are people waiting for you to go to them and to declare that truth into their lives God thank you that you've created us for a purpose a plan to be part of your plan and i pray for each of us today that you'll reveal that to us and show us what it is you you call us to do you are worthy You are the only one who is worthy. And so we lift up our eyes to you today. Long to follow your call, to be your people, to bring light into this world. It may be broken, but God, thank you that you haven't given up on us yet. And we commit ourselves as your people to declare your praises so that others might come to know you, Jesus. Speak, Lord, I pray. Speak into our lives we wait on you in your name amen amen